0: Hello, welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Jason with Liquid Courage in Chicago, Illinois.
1: I'm Aaron with Orange Cat Trivia in Richmond, Virginia.
2: I'm Corey with Third Degree Entertainment in Spokane, Washington and Northern Idaho. And we do have a new guest with us here uh, today, Cheyenne.
3: Hey, how are you all doing? Yeah, I'm Cheyenne Fletcher uh, with uh, Questionable Company in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mainly, we've got about 20 venues here. Oh, my Lord, really? Yeah, and then we've got one in Salt Lake City, Oh, trying to do that whole expansion thing. So, we were in Fayetteville, Arkansas for a minute, but uh, they decided not to continue, so...
0: Yeah, no, the, the podcast is now about you talking about all your venues because holy hell, are you where Corey and I desperately want to be and where Erin, I think, is never hoping to get, nope. if I understand her <laughs> business model correctly. If
1: I end up with more than one location, I have fucked up in some dramatic way. <laughs> well, didn't you start with two? I started with one. I had two for like six months. Then they kind of rat fucked me. So I did. And then I got a full time job. So I can't also have another full time job, I've been told.
0: Ah, that's dumb.
1: It's Working down.
2: It is the worst. Yep. Then I think you should just be a part timer for third degree.
1: No.
2: <laughs> no. Okay. Hard no. <laughs> any I, more questions? I, I, <laughs> I fully support that decision.
0: <laughs> like, you don't know this, uh, Aaron and Cheyenne, but it turns out that Corey got drunk one night a couple weeks ago and gave me emergency veto power over any decision he makes with his business, which is great oh. for me and also is in his best interest, whether yes. or not he's willing to admit it. Oh, did I do that? Nice. You really didn't uh, but wow. thats it's canon now the <laughs> the audience has heard it.
1: It's not in writing it doesn't count. I'm obligated to tell you that. Well it depends
2: on the state I believe uh, verbal contracts are legal in Washington. That's probably true.
1: Washington's got some weird laws.
2: But I don't know how it works with cross-state stuff either So, uh, so Oh that Corey, brings the where, feds in
3: Where are you in uh, Idaho?
2: Right now I am in Coeur d'Alene Hayden and Post Falls Okay. I have a good friend
3: who works in Spokane, but lives in Coeur d'Alene.
2: Nice. Yeah. yeah. There's I this guy I
3: know
0: who lives in Spokane. In Coeur yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, shine, you want to take a minute? Tell us a little
2: bit more no, no, about No, 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 no. Let's, no? let's go back to your friend in Coeur d'Alene. Do they play trivia? <laughs> uh, not very often. He's, su- he's
3: probably would be really good if he went after he's a, like a really high level pathologist. He works at the hospital in Spokane and like uh mm-hmm. sacred heart. I don't know what hospital, but yeah, it's crazy. He's got like, last time I talked to him, he had 66 COVID patients.
1: Oh my.
0: Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I was going to say, well, Corey, I think this might be the most targeted marketing in the history of podcasts right now. Oh, it is.
2: I am going to get this one trivia player. So help me. So you let him know. Growler guys, Coeur d'Alene, Wednesday, 730. I'll see him there. I'll, I'll <laughs> let him know. <laughs> okay. Now you can go on to the important stuff.
0: Yeah, let's get back to uh, Questionable Company. Cheyenne, do you want to take a minute or two and uh, tell us about how that got started? Uh, yeah. Question I mean, actually, mark?
3: Yeah, Tim actually started it a couple, maybe three to four years ago. He just picked up a place that he would go play trivia. Uh, the host that was there, okay, who works for a national company, I'm not going to mention them, but they just bailed all of a sudden.
0: All right, but like, tell us what uh, it rhymes with, but be very terrible at it.
3: Okay, it rhymes with something like malinge
0: Ah. <laughs> Good old um, Valange trivia, gotcha. Yeah.
3: Uh, their host just quit showing up. And so the owner oh, asked okay. him if he wanted to, like, do it on, his, you know, just him. And so he started that, and then he picked up a second one. And I was desperate for like a local championship of sorts. Cause I go to another venue and play like a friend of mine who just runs one night a week. Uh, me and Tim actually met playing his trivia and I knew oh, Tim very nice. Okay, That's cool. Two lo- yeah. We were against on opposing teams like, and it was usually us back and <laughs> forth like first and second each week. And then uh, I was like, we need like a city Or like a regional championship i was like that would be so much fun but nobody's doing it so i called tim up i was like hey why don't we try to like form like a trivia league of sorts and he was like all for it and so we started reaching out to venues and just started adding and adding and adding and you know at one point we got up to like 27 venues but like i knew that's that's quite impressive i gotta say uh but like i knew it wasn't gonna last right like it was right we just don't have enough people in Tulsa to have 27 venues in this area. Like, and so it kind of dropped back down to around 20, um, before this whole thing happened, it kind of goes up and down, you know, you add some venues,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
3: you know, and there can be like big jumps too, right? Like if you get somebody who owns like four venues, If you can get them to sign all of their, you know, places up at once, you know, you go from 20 to 24, you know, overnight. Right, But yeah, no, but that's pretty much how it's happened. We have three seasons a year. We've got a trophy that we put people's names on the bottom of, like each time they win the championship. You know, we take like the best one or two teams from each venue and do the championship three times a year. So... It's
0: fun. That's kind of neat. I'm glad to hear that you guys have that like long-standing connectivity between uh, your teams and your venues from time to time yeah. and place to place.
3: Yeah, and so and we do like five nights a week of like regular trivia, you know, just our standard style. And then on Wednesdays, like kind of like a happy hours kind of thing, we do a hundred question ladder. So each Jeez. question connects to the next, and. Everybody plays individually, and they've got buzzers. And if you get the question right, you get a dollar. And the venue gives out $75. And so... Okay, now, I was a former mathlete in in middle school, so
0: I have to point (laughs) out that they give away a dollar per question, and it's a 100-question game, and they give out $75.
3: Yeah. Well, some questions don't get answered right, or if we run out of all the dollars, we just ask the end. But we want to hopefully have enough questions to be, you know... We don't want to get to 100 and still have money in our hands, if that makes sense. Okay, so,
0: yeah, questions like 90 through 100 are, what is the first letter in elephant? Right. (laughs) Just to make sure the money gets given away, right?
3: Yeah, like, we want it all to go. So, we don't want our host to be sitting there, like, "Uh uh-oh, I've got money and no questions. Is that
2: uh, cash money dollars or, like, in-house credit?
3: No, like, as soon as our host gets, gets there... The bartender pulls out 75 $1 bills huh. and hands them to her. And cool. you
0: know, I it's wish, like a Pac Man Jones stack of singles going out to your yeah, hosts every week. Exactly.
2: I can't do that here. Not in Washington. I don't know about Idaho, but I've always wanted to do cash prizes, and we have to not.
3: Right. That's the only place I think that we do cash. Most places is like a gift card, you know, it's, you know, for a normal night. You know, we just make sure that they give. The guests $50. Like whoever wins for the night needs $50 for them, right? However, you want to do it. If you want to give them a gift card, we have a place that gives, uh, is a board game cafe and they give $50 worth of board games to the first team. Oh, neat. Yeah. It's really cool.
0: Can I either have that show or play at that show for reasons? Yeah,
3: it's, it's fun. Uh, and it's also, uh, that's where I first met uh, Thorsten. He, oh, okay. He he went in there on New Year's Eve, like two years ago, and introduced him because I'm really good friends with the owner of the bar, and he sent me a picture of the two of them together. He's like, "Guess who this is?" And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" I was like, so I Ubered down there right away to meet him, and uh, that was a Monday night. New Year's Day was Tuesday. And that's our normal night for that venue, and now, we weren't we weren't going to have it because it was New Year's Day. And Thorston was like, "Are you having trivia here tomorrow?" I was like, "If you're going to be here, we'll get a trivia together." And he's like, "I'll be here." I was like, "All right, we're doing it."
0: Now, for benefit of our listeners, and
3: not at all for Corey, um, who is Thorston? Oh yeah, the the, <laughs> the head guy of Learned League, an amazing online trivia game.
2: I have heard of Learned League.
3: Oh, there you go. He's growing in front of our very
0: eyes.
2: <laughs> the majority of my experience with it is hearing Jason bitch about getting a question wrong.
1: That sounds right. I mean, that's what all trivia is, though, isn't it?
2: Yes. But Jason least... bitching? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Cheyenne, you said you've got 20, 21 venues. How have they been doing uh, during the pandemic? You know, have you... transition to, to opening them back up how many of them are are up and running uh what do things look like now in this covid world
3: yeah i mean i think most of them are all reopened uh tulsa was weird it was like really proactive to shut everything down and then they kind of just shit the bed on that whole thing and just reopened everything and had a political rally, and all sorts of craziness. Uh, so all those venues, I think it was uh, May 15th was the day that like all the bars and restaurants could go back to being completely open. Um, and I know I ran up to the quick trip up the street from me mm. on that Friday, and one of our venues that's right across from that quick trip I was just curious, you know, because it was the first day that they were open. So I drove over there and peeked in and it was packed. So, yeah, all the venues are open. We're not going back. Um, You know, just uh, like personal opinion, you know, trying to do our part to not (laughs) like spread it, you know, I don't know. Now, if Uh, I remember
0: right, Cheyenne, that was a a bit of a a discussion or debate that you and Tim had getting back into, like, the beginning of May. Is that right?
3: Yes. And we actually tried one venue. Um, It was actually that same place, the Board Game Cafe. And he was really anxious. He was having a lot of trouble. Um, You know, that bar already kind of struggles a bit. You know, they're really working on how to do their pricing. You know, they have to buy all these games and they have to figure out how they have people pay for those games, you know, and like, you know, covers and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause they were just having people come in and play video, I mean, board games for like eight hours at a time and just getting water, you know? And so like, yeah. Okay. You know, they've got to be able to generate some money for the, the business and for their wait staff, you know, like, and so they, they've been working on their pricing and this thing's hit them pretty big, you know? Um, So they were really trying to get us to go. And we're like, okay, we'll, we'll try it out and see what's happening. Um, And at the time Tulsa's like cases were going down Mm -hmm. that day was our biggest case, new cases of all time. And it was like a big spike. Like the biggest day before had been like 40 and we were kind of going down to averaging, you know, like, 10 new cases a day or whatever and then it jumped to 65 that same day and then the next day it jumped like 90 and slowly climbed up to where we're getting like 200 new cases every single day and you know we're just like as long as we're trending up like this and there's no vaccine or like treatment we just don't feel good about going back until things are a little bit under control i mean because we still are just climbing every single day here in tulsa So
0: you basically kind of kick things off with the ability to get back into live shows. And then very quickly, you guys made the command decision that uh, today or, you know, back in May
3: wasn't the day to make that call. Right. I mean, like we just we tried that one day. And like I said, the next day was our biggest cases in Tulsa. And so... You know, I think that was like the Tuesday after they reopened the bars. It might have been two Tuesdays after it. I can't quite remember if we tried to do it like right after the bars reopened or if it was a week and a half because they opened on a Friday. We tried that experiment on a Tuesday and it just was too shaky for us. And so we bailed, especially with all those people, you know, like. For sure. Yeah. You know, you try to get people from different households to go huddle around a table and whispering each other's faces you know like it's just I don't know like I I was like I can't do this so for sure it's it's definitely a a situation where at
0: minimum you've got to take a lot of things that six months ago you never had to take into consideration kind of in mind Uh, I know you Aaron uh, a couple weeks ago got back to your show right I did yep and I also know that you're still doing your your twitch stream aren't you
1: I am indeed yeah Found a I way am very to, uh, gently
0: leading you to talk about that. So. <laughs>
1: I know. Um, yeah, I found a way to to split the baby in. No, I uh, found a way to uh, burden the hand. Split, anyway, split I, the baby
0: and throw it out with the bathwater. I see. That's what you're
1: saying. the one. Yeah, baby pieces everywhere. Yeah. So um, my brewery opened back up a couple weeks ago, and they said, "Hey, we want to have games again." But you know, due to the way everything's laid out, capacity has to be super limited, and team sizes have to be really small, and and I said, that's totally fine. I'll be there because I, you know, it's, I want, I want to help them get people in the door and I want to get back to whatever passes for normal these days. But I said, you know, listen, I've got people who are playing my stream who don't live in Richmond and would like to continue playing and have asked me, is it going to continue? And I said, I know there's people who play my stream who are locals who are not comfortable going out yet and being inside, whether because they're, you know, compromised or just uncomfortable with it. Um, so is there a way to do both? And the answer is yes. The first day was just a straight, Test. I said to the owner, I'm like, I'm trying this. I said to everyone live and in, in TV land, like, this is an experiment. And it seems like it's working pretty well. So, going to keep doing that as long as I am able to.
0: Yeah, I've been into a, a stream of yours or two. And mm-hmm. it looks like, from at least the Twitch user perspective, which is obviously the only perspective that I have, that it's going pretty well. It's difficult but not impossible to split your attention and time between people right in front of you and people active in the chat. But uh, mm-hmm. the way that you and uh, your, your compatriot Rob have kind of put that together. Shout out to Rob, by the way, make sure you bother him for me. I, uh, I will. Th- the way that you guys put that together seems like it's pretty successful. So I do want to give you that praise.
1: Yeah, thanks. And It it has worked pretty well. Um, that was my biggest concern was, you know, my main Clients are going to be the in person people always. Twitch is just sort of a thing that I, a service I provide for people. Um, and my first, my biggest concern at first was, am I going to be able to give them the attention they deserve? And I realized two things. First of all, when you've only got two or three teams, it's whatever. They're still getting concierge trivia service. Um, but the other thing I realized is that when I'm hosting, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the room anyway, because I'm very focused on reading the next question and scoring, there's always something going on in front of me because I'm trying mm. to keep things moving while I'm doing all the back-end work myself as well. So I don't know that my regulars are going to necessarily see a hit in quality because I'm also staring at the screen and talking to people, but we'll see what happens once there's more. The, the most I've had is three teams. The fewest I've had is one. So we'll see what happens as those numbers grow. Ooh, yeah. So Aaron, were you,
3: mm. are you doing like uh, sheets? Like, I don't know how you're getting... Like,
1: No, the the game is running identical to how it did when it was entirely online. We're using the Liquid Courage Magic Sheets. Thank you, Jason. Um, They're just submitting them from their chairs. So, you know, in theory, even though people are going to the bar to get alcohol every now and then, in theory, the entire game can be done without moving at all.
3: Right. Okay. Yeah, because that's what we did. We did online. The one day that we tried was people answered electronically. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: It just, it made the most sense because I don't want to mess with pens. I don't want people coming up to me. And I know people don't want to go up to a stranger either. So it's like, you know, this is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like I don't need to reinvent the wheel just because I'm going to be in a different location.
0: Right. Yeah. It brings up an interesting challenge um, that I can think of just off the dome in a sense that you're running the same game with the same questions for two not exactly distinct sets of teams, both your live and your on-stream teams. Do you differentiate the the scoreboard in any way, Aaron, Or is it just uh, kind of one lump sum thing and the highest scorer live ends up with whatever the bar prize is? Uh, what have you done with that?
1: Yeah, I haven't yet because it hasn't been an issue yet. We aren't running prizes yet, which kind of got me into a little bit of trouble last week. Um, and I can talk about that later when we get into the horror stories part of the evening. <laughs> um, we haven't been running prizes just because, you know, I'm not getting paid either because I'm in a position where I can afford to. I said to the owner, I was like, I'll come back and I'll do it for, for beer because I am best in the brewery surviving more than I am in that check. Um, but I was like, once, once you can pay me again, please pay me again. But they don't have the ability to do that right now. And it's not something I think is reasonable to ask of them. You know, they're just trying to give mm-hmm. people something to do. Um, no,
0: that... Well, that's a very important point to bring up that, um, you know, cost and stuff is something that we're going to have to definitely take into consideration, mm-hmm. at least medium
3: term.
1: Yeah, it's a exactly. balancing
3: thing. Exactly. And I don't know if you all had to deal with this, but like we're always behind, right, with payment. Like we always have multiple bars that are back, you know, a couple okay. months. Um, I, Like we just had to l- let that go, right? Oh. We probably had like – 15 to 20 grand or something in receivables. And like, we can't be like, Hey, we need our money. Like you don't, you can't make any money right now, you know? And it was just like, Oh, I feel like we want to have a whole
0: other separate conversation at some point about how to handle the financial aspects of, of running a trivia brand, because I have thoughts on that, but this isn't that episode. (laughs) Right?
3: No, but I mean, that's also part of the, like going back thing, right? Like Aaron saying is like having people, Like, some of the places are busier than others, but, like, most places are trying to be kind of smart about this, right? And so, they don't have a lot of people there, right? So, they don't make the money that they would
0: normally make to pay you. So, what do we do, kind of, as hosts? Because... We have to value our product in a sense, but we also know that the market is so weird and uniquely different than it's ever been in our professional histories. Um, You have to definitely respect what's going on from the owner's standpoint because they're, you know, at least in Illinois, for instance, um, there are definite capacity limits even on the places that are open at this point. Uh, And it becomes a question of, well, why would you feel incentivized to pay me to bring people into your venue when by law, I can't bring as many people as you want me to.
2: Have you seen Goodfellas? Yeah. I think they said it best. Fuck you. Pay me. Right. (laughs) And you know, I think I've got money on the table too right now. I've got uh, three venues that, that owe me from pre COVID and I'm just like, fuck, it'd be really nice to have that right now. But I know (laughs) that you don't either. (laughs)
1: that's baffling to me by the way I usually I walk in and I make sure the owner has cut me my check before I leave because I'm not I'm not working for well, free
3: right I think it's a little bit easier with like one venue as opposed to like yeah
1: I guess you guys have like actually systems set up with accounting software yeah. even maybe and stuff yeah, yeah and we it's have not like just a check every week
3: we try not to have hosts do too much so like we mm-hmm. almost have one host per venue And me me and Tim, neither of us host. Tim used to, but he doesn't anymore. Um, Oh, wow. Okay. And so we've got, like, two people who do two a week. Uh, We just don't want, like, if somebody gets sick, right, and we have one host that has, like, five venues. Like, we have some hosts that would host every night. But, like, if something goes haywire, then all of a sudden we have to fill in, you know, five nights all of a sudden. Right, right. You know, and that way they also don't get burnout, Right. And so like we just pay them every month. And so we charge the venues monthly. And so, you know, and some of them get behind, you know, it's just the business. Gotcha. But yeah, like we don't have them get paid that, you know. So my point is like you go and get paid weekly because it's one venue. We have to like do a monthly thing with all the venues. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we have to have them do 1099s and stuff like that. So Yeah,
1: I have to do those too. I do not get away without paying taxes, which sucks. I'm like, hey, remember when y'all used to pay me in cash? They're like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore.
3: (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) All right, so it sounds like Cheyenne started and then kind of you and Questionable Company got your foot out of the pool pretty immediately. Aaron has just started coming back into the live space and is kind of doing a simulcast situation. Corey, uh, what's going on with third degree here in the age of Rona?
2: So uh, over the last month, I have gotten back into uh, all three of my pre-COvid North Idaho locations and actually started up a fourth one. So oh, I, wow, yeah, I gained I gained a new venue uh, post lockdown. And unfortunately, even before uh, the pandemic, I you know, I live in Spokane, people that aren't familiar with the area. I'm a, a solid 45 minutes away from my venue without traffic. Uh, up to an hour and a half, you know, if, if I, I hit a bad uh, patch of, of rush hour, and during uh, the lockdown I moved even farther away. So I was driving about 10 to 12 hours a week to host Trivia for 8 hours. And uh, not ideal. <laughs> No, no, not at all. So I've actually hired on a couple new hosts, and uh, we'll be having them host Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday for me. And I'll continue to drive out for my Wednesday night gigs. But uh, that's that's what I'm doing now. Unfortunately, it, it did... Uh, these venues are on the nights that are streaming on Twitch, so I'm completely off of Twitch for now.
1: Boo. Boo. I'm, yes.
2: Boo, But... But now that I've got these hosts, uh, this this next week, which means literally nothing to the people listening, because <laughs> uh, the first week of August will be the first week, or the last week, that I am hosting in any of those other than Wednesday. So I'm hoping that within the next two or three weeks, I will at least start my Monday night trivia back up on Twitch. Hey. But uh, I'm also not in any of my Washington venues, so I'm nowhere near what I was making before. And uh, it's still kind of rough.
0: Yeah, I I can imagine, my friend. I'm glad to hear that you're coming back to Twitch. I know uh, it was a very sudden, hey, I'm finally in bars that are paying me to do my job. I have to abandon the online space uh, for, for my own benefits. I'm glad that... There is an opportunity for you to both work on your local brand and your live shows and also expand your reach uh, online as well, at least in August. Also, I miss your face, your beautiful bearded face.
2: Well, didn't I send you a sticker that had my beautiful bearded face? Uh, You no, you didn't. You tried to and you failed. Wait, what?
1: You sent me a sticker. Yeah. It's looking at me right now.
0: You didn't receive it? No, I got a pair of pasty-looking uh, oh. owl pictures, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, that's right. You were supposed Which to I... get my face, but you just got Theo. Yeah, Theo so I won owl. this transaction, essentially. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll send you my face. I got you. Yeah, Aaron Aaron has my face. I do. You I'm poor, poor perfect. thing. I'm so sorry.
1: No, I love it. It is a conversation piece.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, Corey's I've face, heard the that... coffee table book. <laughs> I've heard quite a few people say that, actually. They said... Uh, I get a lot of questions about this sticker.
1: <laughs> There's like, a dude on they, your water bottle. Yeah.
2: Are they good questions? Never. But uh I mean you've seen the, I, the sticker, right? I do have people fighting over them. They get when <laughs> when I get a, an order of them in, people get really excited and uh they've been profitable even when I'm trying to give them away.
1: Uh I mean I would me I would have paid I would have paid for the sticker, and I feel comfortable telling you that now that you've sent me one. Like it's high quality. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Like in a vacuum, it's just a dude with a beard. It's just a face, and I, <laughs> I love it because my water bottle's got like podcasts and Geek Bowl and hockey teams and all this stuff, and then just a, a face.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have to drop a picture.
2: You know what? Uh, I'm going to commit right now. I've been saying this for the last few episodes that I've been on, but. Uh, I'm committing right now that by the time this episode is released, I will have the website updated at least enough that uh, we can include images from our episodes and a picture of my face will be on awesome. quadriviapodcast.com when all of y'all listeners are hearing this.
0: So what you're so. saying, Corey, is the uh, podcast is about to take a three year hiatus Something like that. <laughs> We're Welcome to 2023. To
2: see... Guys, please tell us if anything's better. We are probably going to see a sharp spike in visits to the website, followed by an immediate drop-off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Because it means they still looked in the first place.
1: Yeah, hits a hit.
2: <laughs> All right, well, that's enough talk about my face. Uh, Jason, <laughs> what are you doing? See...
0: I'm approaching getting back into uh, uh, live games in a slightly different manner than everyone else. Kind of like Cheyenne, kind of like Corey, and like Aaron should be someday. uh, I'm kind of the head of the brand more than just the exclusively the talent. Um, Full disclosure, I am incredibly uncomfortable with the concept of physically being in a bar or a restaurant right now. Um, Mm -hmm. We are in the middle of the second spike. I, I think all the data bears that out. And... I know that illinois the state that i'm in about a month ago opened up bars and restaurants and we are almost like it was expected to happen seeing a growth in daily cases and and the transmission factor metric and everything so um that said i am not personally comfortable getting back to live shows but at the same time some bar owners some restaurant owners are comfortable with the idea of bringing trivia back so i find myself in this awkward middle ground where as the company owner i almost need to do this for the longevity of my brand but personally speaking i'm not comfortable going out there so i'm forced to find somebody whose comfort level is higher than mine and fortunately i have a staff member or two Um, That I won't say that they're taking this whole situation kind of laissez faire because that's not fair and that's not true, but they feel comfortable being in those venue situations. So we have uh, one karaoke show going on right now. We have one weekly trivia show going on and we we used to do about a dozen of these a week uh, back like before March. So it's still baby steps. We might take on a third one in August uh, and that one I might have to bring in a third party to to come in and kind of host. But as for right now, uh, me, Jason, the face of the brand is sitting in front of my computer for the indefinite future, uh, focusing on the streaming and just making sure that content and equipment and talent gets out for those who are comfortable getting back into the live setting. It's it's weird to have my foot in both pools, as it were. But I think because of how much uncertainty there is, um, not just in the market, but in the climate right now, that that's the option that gives me the best maneuverability to kind of go where I need to go, where the world is taking us over the next three to six to God forbid, 18 months.
1: It is absolutely bananas that there's karaoke happening right now.
0: I firmly agree. And there's a bunch of stuff you can do to minimize risk. But at the end of the day, you are really just installing like screen doors on a submarine. Sure, they're better than not having anything over that aperture, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah. what, I mean, no shade, I guess, towards people that want to go out and do things, but like, I love karaoke. That was one of my favorite things to do. The last activity I did before everything happened was a karaoke night. And even that, I was like, that that's dumb. <laughs> I can't imagine people choosing of all of these slow trickle of activities that are slowly becoming available to us saying, this seems like a good idea.
0: Yeah, not to shoot myself in the foot or anything because I am a, also a karaoke host and company yes, I... that provides that. No, I, I, I'll i do it. I, I, It's about time I make statements on this. We're four and a half months in. There is almost no dumber thing to do in a bar right now in the time of COVID-19 than karaoke.
3: Yeah, Because the whole
0: thing is intrinsic about projecting mouth stuff <laughs> into the public and using a shared... um like absorbent conveyance for that so there's a ton of things you can do but again it's it's really just minimizing the perception of risk more than it is minimizing risk we have you know foam wind screens that you know we dedicate to one singer per night and then we wash them thoroughly from show to show we have little disposable covers that go over the microphones that get changed for every performance uh we won't allow duets the microphone is duct taped to the stand we have like an area that's uh, blocked out specifically to minimize all this. And again, it's just, it's security theater. And I acknowledge that it is. Um, but to that note, I mean, that's, that's what very little that you can't really do to, to make karaoke safe. What can you do to make trivia safe in this environment? And more specifically, um, those of you slash us that have gotten back into live shows regularly, uh, what changes have you made to your live shows to kind of take that risk of cross-contamination or transfer out of the equation.
1: I actively encourage people to stay home.
2: (laughs) That's fair. Fair. Very, very fair. I have uh, stopped using paper and pen. Uh, No physical answer sheets. Everybody is answering from their phones, from their tables. And I know that it's, you know, writing down your answers and seeing them all together is part of the experience. But I don't think it's such an important part that it mm-hmm. uh, outweighs the safety. And I've also stopped. I I use wireless microphones. I, I do a full sound setup at all of my my venues, and uh, I would usually walk around while I'm hosting because I, I have the questions on my phone and at the venues that have a screen. I can obviously read it from the screen. Which I could control from my phone, so I'm I'm walking around the entire time and I'm interacting with people during trivia. I have stopped that entirely. Uh, I sit at my table and I stay there uh, for the entirety of the show, and it it sucks. I don't like it. I know that a lot of uh, the draw for my company specifically is how I interact with the players you know i'm i'm over there and i'm talking shit to them and uh ribbing them giving them uh giving them hell and that's why they come out and and you lose some of that when i'm just stuck behind a table but they've all been really understanding i haven't heard people complaining about it and uh it's actually gone over a lot better than i thought it would That's nice, Corey. I mean, coming from
0: kind of a similar perspective at my shows where I have the wireless headset microphone and, you know, it's kind of baked into my uh, grading that I walk from table to table. I haven't had to do that yet because I haven't done a live trivia show since March, but I can't imagine how different it feels and how much culture shock there would be to just be, you know, kind of self-quarantined to my own table. And I worry that that would affect the presentation of the product and I do think that one of our big drawing points in the competitive area is that we have that interactivity on a person-to-person basis with our teams baked into the show. Um, Cheyenne, I know that you guys did, like you said, the one show. Did you make any changes uh, before between what you were doing before COVID and when you tried up back again in May uh, during COVID?
3: I mean, the main thing was that we had people answer, you know, electronically. You know, we okay. normally do, like, we have four rounds. It's our, we have four different rounds where each question is asked individually and they write it down and they bring it up to the host who then grades it. Um, so there, there's usually a lot of interaction between our hosts and the crowd. And so we just completely eliminated that part and had them answer everything online. And I think kind of like, you, you know... We got a friend of ours built a really good scoring system. And so, you know, we had that from when we were doing our live streams. And so Mm -hmm. it was a pretty easy transition um, to just go to electronic, you know, and I don't, I wasn't there that night. I think they might've had limited seating, Um, you know, but a decent amount of people showed up for it. You know, I think it was like eight to 10 teams.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, what was the turnout for that that one night? But it sounds like average-ish enough that, ooh, I, I can't imagine that that would have had a long-term kind of stability.
3: Right. But, yeah, no, I was funny. I was actually just not looking. I was just curious what our numbers looked like right now at the mm-hmm. Tulsa Health Department. And the 26th, we had almost 400 new cases. Oh, Lord. Thanks. So, yeah, it's just like they do this little, like, Gra- like trend line you know to kind of average out the new cases and it's like a very spike <laughs> like <laughs> large trend to the top right corner <laughs> so yeah it's just getting way worse here you know i'm still like frustrated that like our federal government hasn't stepped in cuz i get it people like are losing their livelihoods right and people you know these bars are really amped to go back. And one of our big concerns is like we've done pretty well to lock out all the national chains mm-hmm. from Tulsa. Uh there was like one venue I think that was like one of the national companies, but you know, like we were able to keep geeks who drink out of Tulsa. Um and so our my big concern or both of our concern is like these bar owners need to open up and make money, you know, because they're not getting any help and that people are going to swoop in right. And take our old venues. Like that's big concern. And I'm hoping if that does happen, people will like at least go back to us
2: after. Since, yeah, you, I- since you brought up the, uh, the venues and the owners, what has your experience been like uh, working with them? You know, how, How has that interaction been for you? Like since COVID? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: you know, there hasn't been a lot, you know. Uh, When bars were starting to reopen, we had multiple people reach out to us and see when we were ready. And we've had tons of our, like, you know, the people who played reach Mm. out and be like, when are y'all going to restart? And we did the one experiment thing. And then we both talked about it and we just sent an email to all of them. Like we're not comfortable with this until something gets put into place. So there hasn't been a lot of communication since then, you know, that we told them like we've made a decision not to restart. Right.
0: Right. You kind of put out a a press release on a local sense that said, Hey, um, we're not doing this. So wait for us to call you. Exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know from my experience, I like I said, I had about a dozen accounts going into COVID. Uh, I have had communication, I believe, with four of those venues uh, since then. And one was talking to me all the way back in May, long before we got into uh, the ability to even open. And they wanted us to, to kick back off with karaoke the moment that Uh, Illinois government said it was okay to and uh, I was able to push them off a week while I put all of the materials together to try to do it safely but we've been in there for about a month now and we're seeing average numbers it's a smaller bar so I'm not hyper concerned about having like a blow up night and a big um, like ground zero situation for spread fortunately. Uh, but beyond them, uh, another venue who is owned by a personal friend of one of my staffers uh, decided to bring him in. And they're, they're only bringing three to four teams a night, and half of those teams are sitting outside. So that's not intrinsically too problematic. Uh, one of my venues, a brewery, talked to me about a month ago about the possibility of getting back into the uh, venue in about two weeks from now. I have to make decisions on that as far as when and where we're ready for that. And then a fourth one has just really reached out and touched base with us, did a goodwill message and said, Hey, we're still keeping you in mind. We're not there yet. We don't know if you're there yet, but we're still thinking about you. So
2: fortunately I haven't had too many bad
0: experiences. I've had a lot of radio silence as
2: it were. You know, uh, having uh, gone back into the venues myself, it's, I can tell you the, uh, the audience has been very unreliable, very unpredictable. You know, nights when I'd expect a really good turnout, there's been one or two teams. And uh, I've been very fortunate, though, that the owners are very understanding. They, uh, I keep in, in close contact with most of the, the owners of my venues, and uh, the consensus is we don't expect this to be a big money maker right now we just want it to be available so that when things do open up a little bit more when people are more comfortable then they're gonna know it's here they're going to come here and you know we're we're doing this to get a lead on that that reopening uh to keep ourselves in people's mind and to be on top of the market when it opens up so i've been i've been lucky that they're they're working with me they're understanding and things have been pretty good
1: And that's something that I've benefited from as well. I think I'm one of few games that's actually back at it. Um, The downside to that is that my regulars who are still playing online and understand that my game is hard and competitive are not the people who are there. So the the issue I've run into is people are showing up, and first of all, they're expecting prizes, which we're not having. And that's on me. It didn't even occur to me to ask or think about that, because why would it? Um, The other issue is that these people are not used to playing a trivia game where perfect scores are not unheard of. So last week, for example, we had a couple came in. They're like, yeah, we heard there was trivia. Really excited. And when they found out there weren't prizes, they got kind of, kind of huffy. And then they started asking, well, how do we know the people online aren't cheating? And I'm like, well, first of all, you don't. That's just part of the, the point. But, Jason, to the question you asked earlier, and we sort of got off topic, um, I'm only, right now I'm showing one master scoreboard because there's so few teams in person that it doesn't matter and there are no prizes. What we're right, going right. to do is we're going to start offering a prize for the best team, and then once we hit six teams, we're going to go toward to back to first and second place prizes is how we're handling it. And it's just a gradual kind of thing. But,
0: okay, and that would be distinct from your online uh, leaderboard, essentially? Yeah
1: exactly yeah and i'd have to figure out a way to do that or just like highlight the teams that are playing in person or something
0: yeah that's probably the easiest way to do it frankly yeah
1: and in person we have team caps at four because the way that they're tracking head count is with chairs So if you don't have a seat you can't be in the brewery and all the tables are four tops so the team cap in person is four It's however many you want you know online and there's always the question of are they cheating or not which people don't understand that and you guys know this, like we have multi-day Jeopardy champions playing our games. There, there is a distinctive stratification in terms of trivia experience. And that's something that we're used to, I think, that real life players, particularly the casuals who are just finding anything to do are not familiar with. And I'm, I'm having to experience that, which has been kind of interesting.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me, makes me think of, uh, with y'all's online games, have you all like made them any more difficult? Or Uh,
0: slowly I'm trying to get my my difficulty up a little bit, but it's it's a hard balancing act because I don't want to alienate my local players. My people who have supported me for years and are kind of used to a certain difficulty level. But at the same time, like Aaron said, you you have, you know, game show champions. Um, I I found it bigger. And I think this is honestly a, a topic that could be its own whole discussion is how do you write to an international global audience? Compared to how do you write for your local audience?
3: Right. Because not only are some of these people really good at trivia, but they're able to form super teams because Mm -hmm. they're all over, you know, all over the globe, right? It's not like you and your buddies locally just go into the pub to play, right? Where, like, maybe a couple of y'all are pretty good at trivia, but others are just there to hang out. These online games, people are forming mega teams, you know, super teams, (laughs) Of, you know, like five or six really, really, really good and diverse players, you know, where no, for sure.
2: Uh, Jason, have you said that you've got some hosts handling live events for you?
0: Mm-hmm. I have, uh, currently, I have one guy, kind of my, my third in command, as it were, um, who goes out and he's doing currently the shows that we're
2: uh offering at the moment. Do you get a lot of feedback from him? Or does, do you just kind of let him go out and, and uh, get the work done?
0: Uh, yes and no, I guess would be the best answer to that. Um, we communicate during you know, pre-show setup and everything. I let him know, you know, the talking points about what the theme round is going to be. Let him know when, because we've made the transition to TrivNow, the, the app-based uh, submission system at our live shows. So I let him know when that show is set up for him to be able to manage and look over and everything. But generally, the only feedback I get from him, if all is going according to plan, is uh, a team count. And, you know, we've okay. been seeing, you know, uh, I think he's been in three weeks now and his highest team count has been five and his lowest was zero. So Mm. it's right about where I feel comfortable with that. I guess to, to tie it back to kind of what we're talking about as far as, um, how our patrons are responding to us being back in live shows, at least for my company's experience, the consensus is most people are content at least for now, staying home and experiencing the online show.
2: Ah, that's, that's fair. Um, what i'm curious about and and you you may be able to answer this a little bit or i'd be interested to hear uh Aaron's perspective how are the players responding like specifically and and i i want like wide general answers too not just to the trivia but how are they responding are are, are your venues requiring masks are they Uh, doing all right with that how are they responding to you know no uh, paper sheets just in general what are you guys feeling from players themselves
1: my players have been incredibly supportive I think everyone was super grateful that this was something that kept going and I'm sure y'all experienced the same thing and then now that we're opening everyone has been excited we're back. Uh, people are making a conscious effort to be there. And if they're not there, they're reaching out and saying, hey, we would be there, but here are the reasons we're not. And I'm not, you know, I don't care. You guys can do whatever you're comfortable with. But everyone, with a couple exceptions of people who just didn't really understand what they were getting into, everyone's been incredibly supportive. And it's been really rewarding because, you know, you worry about, like you guys were saying, you worry about maintaining audience and keeping your foot in the door and staying relevant in what may or may not be a completely different world. So I'm very happy. How about you, Corey?
2: Well, actually, first, you've alluded to this twice now, I think, um, is the, the people that came in and were, were surprised by the difficulty of the questions and the lack of prizes. Was that the, uh, the nightmare story you were talking yeah, about? Yeah,
1: you're right. I did okay. not flesh that out. Um, basically, they, they found out there weren't prizes. They scoffed at people cheating, and they left after the third round. And then I found out they checked into the brewery and posted on Facebook Um, which I didn't realize if you check into a place, the only people who can see it are the page managers. The public can't see it. So you can bitch all you want and I'll see, but they posted, they posted pictures of myself and Rob, uh, where we were 15 feet away from the next closest person, not wearing masks, because why would we? After this woman Mm -hmm. came up to me and I looked around for my mask to put on, she goes, oh, I don't care. I'm just doing it because they make me. I'm like, they're making you. yeah." proceeds to imply that everyone is cheating and complains about the fact there are no prizes. And I look at the score sheet and I'm like, you know, even if <laughs> even if we gave prizes, uh, we give prizes for first and second place, right? There were three teams in the brewery that night. When you guys left, if you had answered every remaining question correctly and the other two teams in the brewery went at 500, you still would not have qualified for a prize. So I don't know what you're so snippy about. It was just <laughs> really frustrating to be called out in that way when – Literally, they were, pe- they were causing trouble. They were rude. And like, she's shouting answers to me across the bar. And I'm like, I need, you, I need you to stop doing this. They just, they weren't. And one of the things that I'm spoiled with is that I have f- such a, such a hoity-toity nerdy thing I'm about to say, but I have really sophisticated players. I have people who, in my, my regulars, as well as in the stream for the reasons Cheyenne mentioned, but my regulars are uh, very serious. They know my game is harder. They know it's a more serious game. But as people are starting to come back who just want to play any trivia and don't necessarily care about playing orange cat trivia, they're a little bit surprised by what they're getting. Cause it's a different type of product. So that's sort of the thing I'm going to be navigating going forward is being very clear about what's going on and what's um, what's different about my product versus others. It's fair.
2: Yeah. I've, I mean, uh, I've had one uh, shitty person at trivia but it wasn't anything to do with, you know, COVID or lockdown or, or whatever. Uh it was just one of those people that would have caused the issue no matter what. Um but aside from from that instance incident, things have been really good. My <laughs> I I I don't want to talk good about people because you know, <laughs> I don't want to talk like, good about people. Em. Corey and that's not my stick. That's not what I do, and I don't want them to hear this and be like, "Oh, he really does like us." But uh, they've, my players have been awesome. They've been really great. Is uh,
1: tear I see, Corey? Are you feeling emotional over there?
2: No, God no. Is this no, your first feeling? <laughs> Is this love? Um, I know for a fact because I'm friends with some of them on Facebook that I am very uh we have very different opinions about the disease and the lockdown and the general politics surrounding it um but even those teams and those players have been very understanding and and respectful uh, in the venues and at trivia and it honestly this is the part that i shouldn't say but absolutely will I was not expecting it. I expected a lot more pushback, a lot more uh, attitude and issue, but I've been very pleasantly surprised. It's been really nice. And I, I think a lot of it is just people being excited that they get to go back out and do stuff again, but I'll take it. I'm fucking stoked. Yeah. Uh, just the me and me that's
0: your friend is happy for you, but... man i i'm not where you're at in terms of of comfort level leaving my house so i think i'm just gonna move to a mountaintop and be a hermit and grow a beard oh no i'm
3: the same way like at least for me like i'm super immunocompromised so is my wife and daughter and so ah okay yeah you know like it freaks we're on hardcore lockdown at this house um just because like if it got into our family it would just wreak havoc
2: yeah. I, I don't want people listening to think that I'm a uh, blase about this. I, you know, I wear my mask at my venues, you know, if I'm alone in my corner at my table, I'll take it off and I'll throw it back on when people come up to ask a question. Right. And I do get pretty uncomfortable because a lot of uh, venues aren't really enforcing the mask policy or social distancing or anything. Um this, the teams are doing a decent job of doing it themselves. There are a few that make me really uncomfortable. And honestly, that's, that's part of the reason that I was hiring host. It's not just the, the driving, but it's, you know, my mom is a, uh, uh, organ transplant recipient. So she is super immunocompromised. I see my grandma all the time and she's fucking old. So she's at risk. And, you know, it's, there's just, it's not worth the risk right mm-hmm. but i uh, they've like i said they even the ones that are posting like the stupid anti-mask bullshit all over oh, they're still respectful of me wearing it you know if they're coming over to talk to me they give me a chance to put mine on and they you know we're doing elbow or fist bumps instead of shaking hands or hugging and and i i appreciate it i'm not super comfortable but you know i i like that they're they're making an effort
3: it they uh put in a mask ordinance for Tulsa but it like has no teeth so it's like yeah you know if you're under 18 you don't have to wear a mask you don't have to wear a mask at a bar or restaurant you don't have to wear a mask when you are at worship um you don't have to wear a mask to vote you don't have to like (laughs) like there's like nine or ten exceptions (laughs) well yeah I mean like not to make this political but you know there's a group of people that they don't want to push away from voting who are anti-mask right so i mean like i get it you know like they're catering towards a certain demographic that's very big here in oklahoma and to keep certain leaders in place you know so mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it's just crazy well, like I, I the under 18 one is the one that, like kind of baffles me i'm like does COVID know like birthdays like, Oh, you can't get it today. But tomorrow when you turn 18, I'm coming after you, you know, like, I don't know.
2: And uh, I hate you, Jason. Well, considering
0: I'm, I'm taking the end of this round table to just make uh, memes of Corey's face sticker and the, is this a butterfly template? Uh, I think we're good to, uh, to wrap up the round table and yeah. head into our keyword challenge. If you guys are.
2: Yeah, yeah Please.
0: I, I desperately want to post this to our social media. It is the best ten seconds of crappy paint I have ever put together.
1: This is what we have social media for. Yeah, you better have a good. And caption I desperately for want it.
0: people to see these stickers uh, so that they understand what the hell we're talking about.
2: As long as you caption this love, it well, then I am <laughs> that I'm feeling. <laughs> people not being. I went assholes. down a rabbit hole on is that. this love?
0: Yeah, pretty much. So are you guys ready for the keyword challenge? So ready. Uh, So Cheyenne, this is your first bite at the apple, Um, although you have heard how this works before. A quick refresher. Uh, One topic, 10 minutes, write your best question. So if you guys are ready for this week's keyword, I do want to take a moment and thank an old personal friend of mine, Dan DeMond, from Oakland, New Jersey, for providing our keyword, which this week is the Supreme Court.
1: Woo, relevant.
0: It's going to be ironic how much I judge all your writing on this topic. <laughs> all right, you know, ladies, uh, gentlemen, Corey, we'll see you on the other side of this break. <laughs> hey, everyone, Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you, you can check us out online at Quadrivia Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast, and you can always email us quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show.
1: We are back. Cheyenne has had an opportunity to experience the keyword challenge firsthand. So we're going to go ahead and start with him. Cheyenne, what question did you make for us?
3: Here we go. After Oliver Ellsworth resigned, John, John Adams nominated what former chief justice replace him the position eventually went to John Marshall after the former judge turned down the spot. Nice and succinct. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. At the start of that, I'm like, okay, this is the early Supreme Court. It's going to be John Marshall. It's going to be John Marshall. It's going right? to be John Marshall. Yeah. Fuck. He said John Marshall. John Marshall. Name another old ass judge. It's always John Marshall. Right. Um, I don't have an answer for this one offhand. Corey, Aaron, you got anything?
1: Nope. I was going to say John Marshall. And then he said John Marshall. Yeah. So
2: Nothing.
0: So I guess we're not um, subject in any way, shape or form to forgetting John Marshall. Oh, my God.
1: The uh, The Richmond City Courthouse is the John Marshall Courthouse.
0: Oh, nice. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah.
1: yeah, he's from here. Or right. um, died here. Something.
0: So Cheyenne, you have stumped us, I think, unless we're really going to be mad at ourselves. Uh, who was it?
3: I think you are, because it was kind of another way of asking who the first Chief Justice was. Oh, uh, so John Jay. Oh, that's right. There were two Johns. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> okay. So, uh, he resigned, and then uh, Washington replaced him with Ellsworth. And then when he resigned, John Adams tried to get John Jay to come back, and he turned mm-hmm. down the position. And I've
0: I've asked a question before that that related around this because like three of the first appointed judge to the Supreme Court were all named John. Right. Yep. And Samuel Ellsworth was the outlier. So I threw that wording in that question I wrote. And I, yeah, fuck, I just forgot John Jay um, in, in the heat of the moment. Yeah, John Marshall, John Jay, and John Jacob Jingleheimer. I don't know.
1: Yep. I mean, back then, they didn't have as many names to choose from. So there was always going to be a lot of overlap.
0: Right, right. Uh, good question. It's, it's mm-hmm. right to the meat and bones. It's not obvious, which is nice. But it's also super gettable, especially for a room that does okay at, like, American history. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can't stress enough, it was about the Supreme Court. You done (laughs) good, Cheyenne.
1: Yeah, good job. Well, thank you. Corey, what have you got for us?
2: Which American founding father, born out of wedlock, who had lost both parents by his 13th birthday and was the child of an accused adulterer, was once floated as a possibility for a Supreme Court justice position, that instead went to John Rutledge temporarily.
0: That's the other John. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My American history oh. is embarrassingly thin. I have no idea.
0: You know, here's here's the thing, Aaron. I'm seeing some stuff in this uh, in the wording that Corey threw in, and <laughs> synonymously, <laughs> you've got bastard, orphan, son of a whore. He didn't mention a Scotsman, but I think this might be Alexander Hamilton, just based on how he wrote it.
2: Aha. Uh-huh. It is. And, oh, uh, I love that. So, uh, a few few things about this. First of all, I found that lately in my keyword challenges, I've been going a little more difficult. I wanted this one to be easier, you know, just to, to this would be something I put in like the first half of a round, you know, question three or so. Um, but during the break, the listeners won't know this, but Cheyenne mentioned, uh, liking to tie questions into pop culture when possible. And that's, that's exactly what I went with here. You know, uh, Hamilton is big right now. So those
1: things Jason said are from Hamilton, which I have seen once and do not know the words. to. Yeah. The,
2: the, I I believe it's the opening song. If you, at least if you watch it on Disney, it's the first
0: nine words Uh, of the song. Yeah. 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 yeah, it, how it does opens a up bastard, orphan, orphan son, of a, son of a whore. Yeah, first nine words. <laughs> yeah,
1: gotcha. OK, then that's clever as hell. I'm just a really bad theater person because like I said, I saw it when it was here. I really enjoyed it. I just don't know it the way I think I'm supposed to. Yep.
2: So the answer there is Alexander Hamilton, as, as
1: right. Jason
0: said. So the thing I like about how you wrote this question is at first blush, it is just a, a straight up question about the founding fathers. Yeah, it, it takes. a a second read and outside knowledge to see that you gimmicked the hell out of this question. So for Hamilton fans, that light bulb has the potential to just click and they're going to feel really happy and proud of themselves. But even without that, it is, it's a gettable question. I mean, finite number of founding fathers, um, especially that would tick all those boxes. So I hate that this was a good question. God damn you. (laughs) God damn
2: you. (laughs) Uh well I do want to give myself one one uh little out here. There might be a mistake in it. Um and that's you know, with our time limit, I didn't get to dive as deep and, and, and hit as many sources as I wanted. And I considered just removing that entire end piece entirely. Um the, the part that's about the Supreme Court? About John <laughs> Rut yeah. About John Rutledge. Uh, because I know Rutledge was named as an acting, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then it also uh, went, as was mentioned by uh, Cheyenne, the position was actually went to Ellsworth. I don't know. I think if I was using this in, you know, regular, uh, regular trivia event, I'd put a little more time into it just to make sure that it did actually go to John Rutledge or if I was on a time crunch, I would just end it with uh, was once floated as a possibility for a Supreme Court justice position, because the John Rutledge oh, part okay. isn't super necessary. I mean, unless somebody's like a huge Supreme Court justice buff, that part is not going to give them an in. It was just a nice little extra piece of information to tack on there.
1: It uh, also helps so. you rule out John Rutledge if you think that might That's be a factor.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to, to mention that that's one of the downsides to having the, uh, the limited time to, to research and write the question is I can't actually confirm that part. Although I would be uh, very excited if any of our listeners uh, responded to us on Facebook or through email or whatever to confirm or correct that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I took a quick five seconds just to Google the thing and best I can tell. Uh, give me a second to kind of find where I want to start this up. So Rutledge asked President Washington to be reappointed to the court um, right after that Bradford. And I'm not sure who Bradford refers to in this case. Uh, Attorney General William Bradford wrote to Hamilton and asked in a roundabout manner if Hamilton would join the court. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're good. I think that passes the uh, the eyeball test at least. You might get the most pedantic um actually if you were <laughs> you know asking this and, to and Supreme Court historians. But.
2: Although I also I do think that that passes my if you know it well enough to argue about it then you know
1: what right. fucking answer I'm looking for. I love for, that rule. So. Yeah. <laughs> just write the damn answer.
2: Right exactly.
1: We can talk about it all you want later. For now just write the damn answer so I can get on with my show. We've all got places to be. Yep.
2: Well, speaking of exactly that sentiment, I think we've spent enough time on my question. So let's move on to the next person, which I believe is Jason.
0: Yeah, um, I ate lunch before this recording and I am eagerly awaiting dinner immediately after this recording. So that might have factored into my uh, question here, but here we go. Because of who was appointed to replace Chief Justice Earl Warren in 1969, by what tasty sounding name? was the iteration of the U.S. Supreme Court from 1969 to 1986 known. It's a shame Felix Frankfurter retired in 1965, or this court might have been even more lunch-friendly.
1: This one I know. So I'll let you guys try to puzzle it out, because I think it's pretty gettable.
2: I mean, so the the Frankfurter reference, obviously, is is talking about hot dogs, and since it's not, since he's saying it's a shame, I mean, the natural... uh, opponent <laughs> antithesis the natural opposite of a hot dog is a hamburger i'm gonna say a hamburger a hamburger court
1: okay don't uh, say that if i'm
2: like if i'm way off then i have no fucking clue you're, you're you are real not close. way off yeah
1: yeah it's it's burger it's the burger court oh yep uh
0: Named for a Supreme Court Chief Justice, was it Warren Burger? Yeah, Warren yeah. Burger. So it went from Earl Warren to Warren Burger. And when uh, I was researching this, I really, really hoped that there was an overlap between when Frankfurter <laughs> was on the court and when Burger was on the court. No, those bastards were four years apart.
1: Yeah, sorry. Uh. Yeah, the Burger Court was uh, Roe versus Wade.
2: Right, right, right. Oh, Which
1: yeah. tends to be why he's the most relevant. Like, that's what people seem to associate with his tenure.
2: I don't think, though, that I've ever heard... I mean, I, I haven't done a lot of studies around the Supreme Court, so I wouldn't have much reason to hear it. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard the term Burger Court.
1: No. Yeah, most um, uh, tenures of Supreme Court justices are referred to by the name of the justice. So, like, you, you'll hear about <laughs> the, the Rehnquist Court. Now, the Roberts Court just refers to the time when that person was chief justice. And you'll hear, like, like the Warren Court was super progressive and the Burger Court was also. And, you know, that's kind of how it gets discussed if you're a huge dork. All right. But it good might not be. <laughs> so if you ever hear that phrase, that's what is happening. It's not it wasn't. Um, it wasn't exclusive to, to Justice Berger. Yeah.
0: So so my in for writing this question ultimately was as soon as I heard the uh, the keyword Supreme Court, I thought about the more perfect podcast, which is kind of a so off of radio lab. And the most recent episode I had heard falling asleep a couple weeks ago talked about Felix Frankfurter and how if I remember correctly, historically, he was a dick. And the name Felix Frankfurter just stuck in my damn head. And I remembered Warren Berger, and I wanted to put those two together in a question so badly.
1: <laughs> so
0: thank you, uh, More Perfect, for giving me the in on this. Uh, Aaron, I think we come to you for your question, do we not?
1: Sure, I think we do. I like I like this one, obviously, Supreme Court near and dear to my heart, even if I don't have any idea who was on it hundreds of years ago. Uh, <laughs> this one is not one of my big switches. this is just a regular old question. The 1963 landmark case of Gideon versus Wainwright isn't quite as sexy as some of the other big name cases, but it is important enough that it's almost always referenced in a roundabout way at least once on every episode of every police procedural ever filmed. What right did the Supreme Court enshrine in their decision in Gideon versus Wainwright? And I'm going to need you guys to be reasonably specific on this and I can talk about how I'd parse out these answers once y'all are done talking.
2: Okay, the fact that you said specific makes me question my immediate thought but i want to throw this to cheyenne i kind of i kind of uh stole the last question and cheyenne didn't get a chance to talk so cheyenne how do you feel about this question
3: i mean like the first thing i think of is like miranda right you know exactly yeah that's 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 right where i mentioned all the time but for some reason i thought that that was named after a person And so it
0: was, I believe the case is Miranda V Arizona,
3: right?
2: Would that be the specificity then that Aaron is asking for Miranda Mm -hmm. V Arizona, as opposed to just Miranda,
0: right? No, I think she's going in a slightly different direction. If you guys want my input, um, the Miranda rights are the, you have the right to remain silent, which is the right not to incriminate yourself. Right. But right after that is you have the right to an attorney and I'm thinking that if I have to go between the two, that Gideon v. Wainwright might be the one that guarantees you a court-appointed lawyer if you can't afford
2: an attorney. I thought that that was part of the Miranda thing. Yeah, so the Miranda is the right to remain silent. Uh, Anything you say can and will be used against you, right to an attorney, and if you cannot afford one, one will be appointed.
0: Yeah, that's That's, fair. I'm I'm really between the 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 two. I think we're in the ballpark for sure, but I'm pretty, pretty confident That the Miranda right was settled by the Supreme Court in a case, Miranda v. Arizona, as opposed to Gideon v. Wainwright. So I think we're nibbling at the edges here, but I don't think it is, strictly speaking, being read your Miranda rights. I think she's looking for something more specific than that, which leads me to either self-incrimination or
3: the right to attorney. Or could it – this is a stretch, but could it be the whole, like, hand on the Bible thing whenever they're, like (sighs) – i just thought of gideon bible but oh oh, fair enough if if it's online
2: oh here's the ask the ask is what right did the supreme court enshrine in their decision in gideon v wainwright
0: uh that would be the wainwright clearly
2: boo (laughs) so i don't know that the answer would be hand on the right now that's true it is asking for a right I'm thinking Jason's on the right track, like maybe which one of the Miranda It's writes?
0: one of the two, I think. And I th- think it's the right to an attorney because I think Miranda focused specifically on the fact that he wasn't told he didn't have to incriminate himself. Okay.
2: Aaron, how much are you biting your tongue right now?
1: I have myself <laughs> muted because I am screaming.
2: <laughs> All right. Why don't you just put us out of our misery then? Oh, please <laughs> right. God do.
1: Yeah. So Jason got it absolutely right. Getting v. Wainwright enshrined the right to court appoint an attorney if you can't afford one. Um, Miranda rights are a collective list of things. You have the right to remain silent. Anything in case, something's against you. Right to an attorney, one will be appointed. And then you have to ask, do you understand these rights? But the way the Supreme Court works, and this is something that has come up a lot recently as people start paying attention to Supreme Court cases only after the case is decided, is that courts are typically, especially at the Supreme Court level, they're typically only focusing on one issue. So yeah, Miranda v. Arizona was, he didn't, he shouldn't have had to say that, it was a custodial interrogation. I won't go down that rabbit hole because we've all got places to be. Um, But yeah, so that was what I was trying to do. And it was so awesome watching Jason be like, like following all the breadcrumbs because yeah, Miranda versus Arizona is that. Getting v. Wainwright is just affirm that the Sixth Amendment says that you have a right to a lawyer, even if you can't afford one. If life is life, liberty, or property is well, not property. If life or liberty is going to be taken away, you are entitled to the state to appoint an attorney for you. Um, everyone's entitled to counsel. So, yes, I love it when things work the way that I want them to.
0: I think that question worked really well. And I think in a typical pub trivia setting, you're going to see about a 50 50 get rate on that mm-hmm. for just the reasons that we, you saw us as an ad hoc team, are kind of niggling back and forth between two different equally yeah. plausible answers, so and, I like that.
1: And Cheyenne, your your angle was really interesting. That was really mm-hmm. cool. Um, but Corey brought it back. And the thing that um, I was saying, you know, how how would I decide it? Like, what I was looking for was you know, Gideon v. right says you have the right to an attorney, even if you can't afford one. But if I look at my answers and only one team wrote that, but six teams wrote right to an attorney, I'm probably going to give it. So it's kind of on oh, questions like that, where I'm looking for something that specific. I'm, it's kind of on a sliding scale in terms of what the people actually got. Like if I did a good enough job, you guys do like Jason did and got it. If I don't do a good enough job, you don't give me a specific enough answer. That's probably my fault. And I don't deserve, you know, people don't deserve to lose points for it.
0: All right, so with those questions being asked, the question goes to you listeners, who wrote your favorite question for the week. Make sure you submit uh, your answers to our poll at quadriviapodcast.com. And remember, to vote for Corey, don't. Anyway, Cheyenne, um we're we're going off the rails here. Bring us back with the trivia round. So, I pulled up
3: a old list I have of before and afters. Nice. Ooh, always love, love a good before and, and after. Uh, like sometimes it's just like on a syllable um mm-hmm. but it connects. You know, there's gonna be a middle thing that connects one part of the clue with the other part. All right. So are y'all ready? Yeah, I think we're ready. All right. John Cleese's Harry Potter character sings Starships and Anaconda.
1: <laughs> I got it. If okay. You need assist, yeah, like I got gonna it too. I'm the,
0: it's pop culture, so Corey's gonna have a a a weird hit rate on this. So, Corey, what do you think it is?
2: I missed an entire part of this conversation, and I have literally no idea what's going on right now. My, so it's a it's well, a before okay, and well... after,
0: Corey, with John Cleese's Harry Potter character plus the artist responsible for Starships and Anaconda. Oh, I nearly
2: had this Nicki Minaj. Yes. Uh, my my dog my dog has nightmares, and so oh, no. while Cheyenne was explaining things, I I heard her starting to whine, and so I. And I have to talk to her and wake her up and, and get her out of it. And then I just so came back to, to, to I'll, uh, knock it off. I so, came so back. So what to you're saying is we auspicious start for this so round. So huh? confused. But no, now that I know it's a before, before and after. Yeah, that was nearly headless Nicki Minaj. All right. Hey. <laughs> All
3: right. So which,
2: which almost sounds like a Twitter thread at this point, but I'll take it.
3: Uh, <laughs> All right, here we go. Number two, Ralph Ellison's titular role is played by one of the tallest players in NBA history.
1: Ralph Ellison so, was Invisible One of, but man.
3: not the tallest. So
0: Okay, so that would be Invisible Manute Bull. Hey, there you go. There you go. Yep, that's yeah. it. Sports reference, guys?
1: Yeah. Sports reference. I'm, I'm glad you the sports. I struggle, and this is just like, it's a connection that got created in my brain and I can't undo it. I get... Ralph Ellison, and Brett Easton Ellis, who wrote American Psycho, <laughs> sometimes. And I know there are different people who wrote different things, but it's just, so I'm like, I'm going to think real hard before I say this. So yeah.
3: Such different authors.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah.
0: I have no idea for the life of me why I can't make that Pavlov trivia connection between Ralph Ellison and The Invisible Man at this point. I think I've played a Questionable Company stream before where Ralph Ellison came up and I swung and missed hard on it. <laughs> yeah. Because I can't friggin' remember that he wrote The Invisible Man for some reason. So this is like the third time that that knowledge has been dug into my brain. Um, maybe later
3: I'll remember it. Maybe. <laughs> all right. Number three. Sergeant Bilko, or maybe it was Bowfinger, gave a speech about a dream.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: It. Yeah, I think I got it, too. It wasn't the, the sergeant. It Thankfully, it's not the sergeant Bilko I'm afraid it was, because that's the one I don't know.
2: Are we, We're we all on the same page, right?
0: I don't know what I page so. you're on yet, but I think Aaron and I are, are locked.
2: Steve? Yep.
1: Martin. The, the Steve <laughs> answer.
2: Yeah, <Yep>. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make this a collaborative thing and nobody's King working with Jr. Me there you go. Yep.
3: All right. Nice job. All right. Holding Back the Years and If You Don't Know Me By Now are sung by the University of Illinois' running back, the Galloping Ghost.
0: Okay. Uh, for some reason, I had a different musical artist in my head, but now I've, I've put it together. Uh, Illinois Con for the win. <laughs> So, Corey, anything on this one? Aaron said that she's tapped out. Yeah,
2: no, I'm not on that
0: one. Ah, uh, I believe this is going to be Simply
3: Red Grange. That is correct. Simply Red. Uh, this next one is poppy seed bun, celery seed, and sport peppers, among many other ingredients, are eaten by a reality star based in Hawaii.
0: <sighs> That's all you get from me on this one, guys because I very, very
2: strongly know it. And I want to see if you guys do. I feel like I'm not connecting with either side of this question.
1: I'm not either. What the fuck is a sport pepper?
2: I don't know. Oh, My heart (laughs) is hurting for you guys. (laughs) And a reality star based in Hawaii. I don't know a whole lot of reality stars.
0: Cheyenne, I know that you know that I know this answer.
1: Right. I'm glad somebody does. (laughs)
0: Okay. Uh, you guys, you guys just, want
1: the yeah, answer on this? Just tell us. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That would be a Chicago style hot dog. The
2: bounty hunter.
1: Yes.
0: Oh God.
2: F- fuck off.
1: <laughs> I'm not mad. I no. Nope. Plain
2: f- with ketchup. Plain with ketchup.
1: <laughs> okay. I don't eat meat. What the fuck is a sport pepper?
0: Right. A sport pepper is is a particular type of uh. It can be sweet or hot style pepper. It's just a small food pepper, basically.
2: Yeah, okay. and it's.
1: I just- like this question, Cheyenne. No shade to you. This is a perfectly <laughs> fine question. I just. All of
2: my hate is directed at Jason. Yeah,
1: I was never going to get
2: this. (laughs) Nope.
1: I love
3: Chicago Dogs. um, And, like, it's the only place I know of where these peppers exist. These sport peppers. Like, I've never seen them.
1: They sound made up. On
3: anything, or I've never found them at the store. Like, I don't know. And the sad thing is, Corey, I
0: think you'd like them, so... Before I get drummed out of Chicago, I did misspeak slightly as to what a sport pepper is. Uh, it's a small green pepper that you pickle. Um, and it's oh. usually kind of like a, a green Tabasco looking pepper. Uh, it's it's mild, mildly hot, like a medium hot. And then it also has like a, a vinegary tang to it. So I really think you'd like them, Corey. And we put them on hot dogs in Chicago. And by we, I mean everyone but me because I eat mine with mustard.
2: All right. I will give them a shot, but... Still, mm. now, super quick digression here. If you motherfuckers have not tried a hot dog with just cream cheese nope. Nope. and raw red onion, then you have not lived.
3: Uh, one of my favorite is, or like, I'm a vegetarian, so I eat veggie dogs, but veggie dog with uh, pepper jelly and cream cheese is so good. I'm
0: actually very uncomfortable with just how much the concept of Frankfurters is showing up in this episode. (laughs) But that's that's because I haven't eaten dinner yet. So let's do the next
3: question. All right. Creature whose real name was tartar sauce becomes a famous reality show tattoo artist. I have half of it. I don't know if I have the other half.
1: Oh, I got it.
2: Who was the gal? Kat Von D. Kat Von D.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. That's the other half I needed.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you put those two together.
3: Yep. Yep. Survivor sings the song that inspired Eldrick to win another major championship.
2: Well, because I'm a trivia host, I know. Yeah, I know this. Yep. Mm -hmm. That Eldrick is Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. And I know that.
0: That Survivor sang
2: The Search is Over. So. (laughs) The Search is Over. The Search is Over, Tiger Woods. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Put it in the bag. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, we should probably say the actual answer. (laughs) Eye of the Tiger Woods. (laughs) Yeah.
3: All right. Next one is a 1997 movie starring Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue is set in the city formerly known as Leningrad.
0: I think I got this one. I, I think I actually weirdly got it from the Val Kilmer connection more than the geography thing.
2: Yeah. Before you answer, is Leningrad the city that was formerly known as Leningrad? Or do I have that backwards?
0: Was I Leningrad mean, the city formerly known as Leningrad? I mean, like yesterday, no, Spokane
1: was still Spokane. So if you want to be no, a dick what, about it, yes.
2: What yeah, what technically I mean, correct is the best correct, but... One of on, the... What, oh my God, you guys, I hate <laughs> you so much. <laughs> How dare we use your own words to talk you'd, to you?
1: You'd be disappointed no. if we didn't. I think I know what you're asking and I don't... Um, I thought... I think... Leningrad was Stalingrad, but I don't know enough. Leningrad Jason...
2: was Petrograd
1: okay what I, I remember think there it one, was, there was
2: yeah. a there was a Russian city that had name a and then name B and then name a again oh, it might have been i don't I don't remember though which one it was
0: anyway, in this case, I think uh Cheyenne is looking for the St. Petersburg. That is correct. Oh,
1: cool. Uh, Volgograd. Volgograd is what is was Stalingrad.
0: That's what it was. That was just
3: yeah. what I was about to say. Um,
1: I looked it up, by the way. I didn't know it. It sounds like Cheyenne actually knew it. So good job, Cheyenne. All right.
3: Um, only woman to ever win an IndyCar race lives under a rock
2: in Bikini Bottom. Uh GoDaddy spokesperson and a starfish.
0: I don't think you'd get points for that answer, but yes, you're what? very clearly on the right track here.
2: <laughs> I just want to let Aaron answer it.
1: Oh, Danica Patrick starfish. Eh.
2: Yeah. Star, isn't it? It's just Patrick Star. Oh, I is think, it? But Yeah. I'm you know
0: I have age- to look this up now and see what kind of weird rule 34 situation we've got, right? <laughs> oh, God.
1: <laughs> Do you have to?
0: Nope. I think I do. No. I think I'm obligated by the rules of podcasting because I said a thing.
2: Well, that one will not show up on our uh, website.
0: Um, you will be happy to know the best I can find is a picture of Danica Patrick uh, in like workout clothing laying on the floor that kind of looks like she's shaped like a starfish.
2: <laughs> <sighs> All
0: right. That's We're the best happy I to got. know
2: that. Well, you'll be happy to know that there are several Russian cities that have been renamed what they were previously named.
3: Yeah. I think lots of them.
2: <laughs> a lot. Gotcha. Uh, Sharapova yeah. being one of the better well-known, uh, but also like uh, Schlisselberg and the, I'm on the wiki. Uh, there's a list of renamed cities and towns in Russia. And yeah, there's, there's quite a few of them. So oh it is it was leningrad but it wasn't formerly known as leningrad it was saint petersburg then petrograd then leningrad and then saint petersburg again so i was thinking of the right city oh and there's the picture it was the (laughs) right city but the wrong name i'm glad to know i'm not entirely useless
0: yeah like 60 percent. you're fine back
2: to cheyenne
3: all right here we go uh Comedic actor in Pacific Rim and Fist Fight appears in the American city where the end to the Yugoslav Civil War was negotiated.
0: Is that Charlie Dayton then?
2: Yeah, I wasn't certain. Why of... do I
0: think Dayton is popping into mind on this? I
2: wasn't certain about the city, but yeah, Charlie Day.
0: Okay, so that would be, yeah, Charlie Dayton, Ohio. I I feel comfortable enough that if we turn that in at Pub Trivia, I'd be okay with it.
3: And you are correct.
0: That was a team effort, buddy. I love a good before and after round. I think this is a very good one because it ties pop culture in. You've got sports references, you have history, geography. Um, yeah,
2: no, good work, my friend. That one went quick, and it was. I really enjoyed it. That was a, a really good round.
1: Befores and afters are both super fun to write and super fun to play
2: exactly
0: yes they are i agree i love them i think they work pretty well in like a halftime handout format too Mm -hmm. at live pub trivia because you can just it it's conversational question writing where like you saw with us for a couple of these questions it took a village to to nail down what before and after fit both halves of the clue and and to be able to throw out possible wrong answers so we didn't go down the wrong garden path and everything uh very nicely done cheyenne is this the kind of thing you guys do a questionable company on a regular basis, or was this kind of a one-off round idea?
3: Uh, Well, yeah, we do them every once in a while. I mean, so our platform is, like, we have four rounds of four questions apiece. And then in between, like, round one and two, we do, like, a little mini, like, theme thing. It could be, like, famous cats or famous dogs or, you know, stuff like that. And it's three questions asked at once. And then we do a halftime that varies with four questions. And then we do another like not quite related, like a theme thing between rounds three and four. But it's usually just like a jumping off point, you know, like Mm -hmm. it'll be something like birds, but it's not necessarily about birds. Uh, You know, it could be the answer could be, you know, magic versus Larry Bird, you know, something like that. And then there might be a bird question as well. And then we do a final. So sometimes like those theme things, we'll do before and afters in them. Or like the halftime might be a before and after. Mm -hmm. So, No, they're they're solid fodder for
2: sure. That is really awesome. And I really like that. And I hope to uh, check it out in person. Um, Check us out on Twitter or Facebook at QuadriviaPod. Shoot us an email at quadriviapod at gmail.com or hit us up. On the web at quadriviapodcast.com. Bye. Oh, and I'm Corey with Third Degree Entertainment.
1: Oh, you were so close to an amazing outro.
0: Almost there. Fuck, we we I almost, almost got it, it for once. Uh, oh, God.
1: Cool. Damn it. I am very disappointed. I'm also Aaron with Orange Cat Trivia. <laughs> Find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch at Orange Cat Trivia, uh, and at Castleberg Brewery if you're ever in the RVA on a Thursday.
0: I came in with no expectations for this outro, and they have also been defeated, <laughs> as I am Jason with Liquid Courage Entertainment, uh, findable mostly these days on Twitch at Liquid underscore Courage. But you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, just search up Liquid Courage with a K for my friend Debo, who always reminds me that I spelled my stupid name with a K. <laughs> uh,
3: and this uh, Thanks for having me. This is uh, Cheyenne Fletcher with Questionable Company in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and one venue in Salt Lake City. Hopefully someday again. And uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook and all the other, you know, Instagram, Twitter, wherever.
1: All right, bye. 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 God, we gotta work on this.
0: And, and for what it's worth, Cheyenne, I'm thinking back through uh, Supreme Court stuff, and I'm pretty sure the right to hands on the Bible was settled in the case of Local VH anyway. All right. Okay, that was a terrible pop culture joke that just <laughs> fell terribly <laughs> flat.
2: Oh. I feel like most of your jokes do, though, so it's okay. Uh,
0: Local H had a song called Hands on the Bible. Oh.
1: Oh. This is, I, listen, y'all listening out there in listener land, I hope someone got a laugh out of that. because. None of us did, yeah, somebody should because I think I think maybe now that it's been explained to me, and that's how you know a joke is good if it has to be explained to you. no, I think I think that was good. We're just dumb
0: the The best oh, part God. of this whole thing is it's going to be at the very end of the episode anyway. So goodbye, everybody. <laughs>